0: Today I'm bringing you Dr. Jen Chrisman and I am excited to share her with you because not only have I known her for almost a year now, it was just recently when we both were speaking at an event that I heard her share her process and right then and there I knew I had to bring her on to the Harmonious Hustle to share with all of you guys. So I know you're going to enjoy it. Dr. Jen is a mother, entrepreneur, transformational coach A podcaster her podcast is love your truth you're gonna want to go check that out but she's also a psychologist so she understands the science behind why we do the things we do and why we may avoid the things we avoid so it's really fascinating listening to her and she has her own powerful story and you'll hear more about her in a few moments before we get started today I just wanted to remind you if you haven't already to come join us over at Harmonious Shift, my activating meditation program. It's an ongoing program. We meet every Monday with live meditations and these aren't just your average meditations. We move through a process, my own unique process of breath work, of affirming, clarifying, purifying and it's really a beautiful way to anchor into our Monday and become more mindful and intentional and it transforms everything. And if you haven't seen already that I added a bonus class where I'm going to be guiding all of you through a grieving ceremony, and I know that may sound a little dark, but trust me on this, that anytime I'm feeling unworthy or feeling stuck, that I take myself into my bedroom floor and I prepare the ceremony and move through the process. And it hasn't been shared, but now after so many people asking me, clients and, and people at live events, I've decided I'm going to do this but it's gonna be in the Harmonious Shift community. So it's a $33 a month, guys. So it's like less than going to, well, the gyms that I go to, um, but it's going to change your life. So head over to my Instagram, head over to my website. It's all over, I've been talking about it. It's all I talk about. But without further ado, I'm going to bring you someone else that can change a lot for you. So take this in and receive it. I hope you enjoy it. And after, be sure to let us know, what was your favorite takeaway? What did you enjoy? Because not only do I love to hear, but the guests that I bring on this show, they're such profound teachers and thought leaders. They love to hear too. So be sure to share, tag them, and I can't wait. You are now listening to The Harmonious Hustle, where we redefine what it means to be a woman on fire. I'm Nicole Sylvester, best-selling author and success coach for Boss Babes Ready to Make Bold Moves. In this podcast, we'll discuss all things purpose, pleasure, and profits. You should know, I am obsessed with sparking unrealistic upgrades in your life and business. It's my true intention to convince you to say, hell yes, to your wildest dreams. If you and I haven't connected yet, I would love to hear from you. Let's connect on Instagram and while you're there, be sure to check out my free Money Energetics training series. Scope my page while you're there for other freebies and support. I am so glad you're here. Let's get started. All right. So, guys, I'm so excited. As I had mentioned on social media and how I may have told some of you guys on a Facebook Live recently and one of my podcasts, I mean, I've been talking about Dr. Jen Christman. She's amazing. She's amazing. And she's here with me today, so I just can't wait to share all of her magic. So, thank you so much, Jen, for coming
1: on. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to do this with you.
0: Yeah, you know what's funny is, like, when I heard the bus analogy, which I want you to share, I was just like, "This is the best analogy I've heard for (laughs) for what you're talking about." But I've been like sharing it with my friends who are also like healers or coaches, and of course, I'm always telling them, like, you know this woman she shared this and like how the room was responding so I'd say like let's start there I just want to hear about this and it's funny because I just picked my daughter up I saw the buses and you think about all the people on the buses but let's just go right deep into that and then we can hear more about how you got to that analogy and creating that
1: yeah I actually think that you know I'll start with where it came from first and we'll move into yeah. it uh, because it did evolve out of just my work with clients and what I continue to see myself and people, you know, the ones that I work with come up against it through this process of healing is so often we, we don't give ourselves that permission, that space to really honor the human experience and we get mm-hmm. frustrated um, you know, you're going through through this process and you know where it is you want to go and you continue to come up against those old patterns, those old behaviors. And that automatic human response is usually to go into something really negative, something really harsh, something really judgmental. Yes. And, you know, this analogy stemmed from my conceptualization and my way of helping people understand what transformation and what change actually looks like. Because I think we want to, I think we undermine ourselves and we don't give ourselves credit for being as dynamic and as complex as we actually are. And we think in very black and white terms, either or, we're either this or we're that. Uh, We're good or we're bad, we're successful or we're not. And the reality is we are not just one note. We are way more dynamic. We have way more layers to us. And part of our work is learning how to recognize and give space to all of the complexities Mm -hmm. of our experience. And so the bus analogy is a way to help us do that. And the way that I describe the human experience is that Imagining that you are on a bus, we all are on our, our own buses, driving down this road of life. And along the way, we pick up passengers. And once those passengers are on the bus, they're with us. They're not getting off the bus. Mm. And our work is learning to recognize who those passengers actually are, because they're really there are past experiences, there are moments in time, there are different developmental milestones that we may have hit. And what happens as we're driving along this road of life is someone gets in the passenger seat. And the problem is that a lot of times we don't, we're not conscious. We don't recognize who's in that passenger seat. And so we might be, without even knowing it, letting You know, the four-year-old little girl who isn't feeling safe in her home, who maybe has, you know, whatever the dynamics are, the chaos, the fear, the insecurity, the uncertainty, she's in the driver's seat. Yeah. So the work then is, again, for each of us, learning to identify who are our own unique passengers What do they sound like? What does it look like when they're in the driver's seat? And then making a conscious choice about who we want in the driver's seat. And ideally, it's that highest version of ourselves. Right. We decide, you know, I got this. I'm going to take over today. Do
0: you help clients or, you know, do you help people create this new identity? Like, do you feel we can create a new passenger
1: yeah, yes, I okay. think that you know i don't know that it's so much a new passenger, I think she's in there, and I say right. she because that's I work with i yeah. with women Us. like that <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> exactly um, <laughs> you know I, I don't know that it's so much about creating her as it is allowing her to come forward, yeah and okay. tuning tuning into her that you know and sometimes that requires a little bit of the creative process and helping people to kind of pull back the layers and and ask the questions like, well what would it sound what would she sound like if she were in the driver's seat? What would that best version of yourself? What would her tone be? What would her energy be? How would she what would her body language look like? How would she carry herself while she's walking through the parking lot of Trader Joe's to go get right. her groceries?
0: Right. The subtle like just little ways of being
1: exactly.
0: Yeah. I love that. Cause if I think about when you describe that this time when I'm listening to you it's like I think about sometimes it was like I thought there was someone different driving the bus and there really was like I would see myself as this like messy never having it together but then other people would see me as something else (laughs) so so that is really interesting too because I kind of just caught that while while you're explaining this this time around
1: yeah I mean I think that's a really yeah that's a really important distinction too and I think that's part of this process of, you know, learning the passengers on the bus and giving ourselves that that permission, that recognition that we are so dynamic and that, you know, when we put our highest self in the passenger seat, that's the one that, that's going to be the external reflection that the world sees. Right. That is going to be, Um, you know, the highest self, she's going to be the one who shows up, she's going to be the one who's following through, she's going to be the one who is kind. And then on the back of the bus, there might be a little girl who, her room is a mess, and she lives in chaos, and she's really scared. And, you know, she's there on the bus, and your highest self knows that she's there and sees that she's there. And the work is then learning how to create a new relationship, With that little girl, because you know, so often what happens, like you know, we feel the chaos, or you know, like we were talking about before we started the recording of, you know, both of us kind of not necessarily being the most organized people, and the response being that, like, you know, we get frustrated, and it's like, oh, I want to get rid of that part of me, but yeah, the healing actually comes when we learn how to make friends with that part of us when we learn how to see that, oh, that girl who lives who's so unorganized, she doesn't know anything else. She grew up in chaos. How was she supposed to know what it was like to feel containment and to feel safe? And so then the work is, you know, having that that dialogue, having that experience with her where she feels like, it's, like she can be safe in the world. Yeah, I love that.
0: I love that. When you think of your passengers, just because so many women relate to like what we'll share, right? Like, what was the passenger that you felt you had the hardest time loving? If you can
1: identify it? (laughs) Totally. (laughs) I'm sure you know
0: your passengers because you you do this work. Yes.
1: Yeah, I do. So when I first started doing this work, it was really easy for me to go back to like two-year-old Jen because two-year-old Jen and four-year-old Jen also, she's so... Cute, and she's sweet, and like she's still so young and innocent. But the one that I had the hardest time with, and you know, truth be told, I still have a hard time with, uh, is nine-year-old Jen. And it starts shifting for me around seven, uh, and it, you know, I think that's when we start going into our awkward phase. Hmm. But nine-year-old Jen is, like, she's really in the heart of awkwardness as all, like, school-age children go through. And she's kind of chubby, and her teeth are, like, all over the place. Mm -hmm. Um, And, like, that really bad 80s haircut with bangs that are, I think, like, she probably cut them herself. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, the truth, so... Nine, ten-year-old me, that was when my dad committed suicide. Mm. And you know, that little girl attached so much of her worth and her value and her lovability to her external appearances. Yeah. And like really that that belief that, you know, she wasn't cute. And so it was really hard to love her because she wasn't cute. And as, and I, that, I carried that belief with me well into adulthood. And, you know, I had to take my time and go very slowly, kind of moving through the developmental stages and, you know, looking at pictures and not judging her harshly. And I had to actually look to other little, like other nine year old girls and recognize that I would never, ever. Judge them the way that I was judging my own little nine-year-old self. Yeah, and uh, but that one was really, really challenging for me.
0: Yeah, I can relate to that. It's like you look at what we're so harsh with ourselves unconsciously, yeah. And then it's like we like will love up on our girlfriends and children and animals or whatever it is. But there's like that little brain bitch, as my friend calls it, <laughs> just just does those things. So that's so interesting. So. And it's funny how you're saying at nine and it went into your adulthood and I'm, I, I try to identify where mine was, you know, mm-hmm. but I know there was a lot of unworthiness around me as a child and then just carrying those little feelings of not belonging or not good enough for being here. You don't have enough money to be here, like those kind of things. And that's all childhood stuff <laughs> that just pops up to play
1: absolutely absolutely and that's where you know in the self-help world we there's so much focus on like changing your thoughts changing your thoughts but that doesn't actually create healing because what needs to happen is that little girl who thinks that she doesn't have enough money to be there you're not going to convince her that she belongs Right. she you need to connect with her, you need to hold space for her, you need to you know metaphorically sit down and put your arm around her and not say a single word to her, but just let her feel what it feels like to actually feel like she belongs somewhere
0: yeah and I love that because and I love that you brought up this part about the whole personal development, changing your state and feeling better. And I love all those tools. And sometimes there's a place for them. But then it's also like with this deeper stuff, you're right, like you can pep yourself up and motivate yourself, but we're not really getting rid of that. You know, exactly what I that's what I've learned in my experiences, the next level, it pops up, you know, like different places I go, it just pops up to play. So it's really, really powerful.
1: And that's, you know, I I had talked about this before, too, but that there are certain wounds and there are certain stories and they're, you know, they're never going away. That's what I mean, like this, the analogy with the bus, these passengers are not getting off. Like that little girl who felt like she didn't belong because she wasn't cute enough, didn't have enough money, wasn't smart enough, like whatever that story is, she is never getting off that bus. And she will continue to show up and try and get in the driver's seat for the rest of this journey. And we can't ever kick her off. All we can do is continue to renegotiate our relationship with her. And, you know, when she comes up, we do that work and we do, we take that time that, you know, I say that like we renegotiate the relationship we have with our healing and the healing that I did when I was 25 with those different wounds and those different experiences from my life is different than the healing that I needed to do at 35.
0: Right. And I love that you're bringing that up because it's true with, and I've said this to people, they'll come into certain situations and they're like, I don't know why I'm so upset about this. I've been working on it. I worked on it like at some event or, and it's something like a mother or father wound. And I'm like, it's not going,
1: it's not going, <laughs> it, going anywhere. It's not
0: going practice. <laughs> so, but it's so nice when us as women, and that's why I loved your event or your time at Kayla's event is it was just like this beautiful comeback home to self see what's here for you and let's like love each other while we do it
1: Mm -hmm.
0: versus like who can be the fastest most um you know fastest income making the like first one that gets this and it's like this competitive thing that is just not helping us in our healing and i mean that's why this whole harmonious hustle thing came about the harmonious part is like the healing the opening the softening and i feel like we need it so what is your take on that in business because You're also an entrepreneur, and um, why don't you just tell us about a little bit about what you have going on these days, and then we can talk about that.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I always say that success in life and business, it's not so much about what you do, but about who you need to become, and, you know, I think that this is where a lot of us get sidetracked, and we get so bogged down with the details, and we get hung up on, you know, the marketing techniques and the, you know, platforms that were like all of that mumbo jumbo. And I really do believe at the end of the day that, you know, the most success, like when you connect as authentically and as deeply and as unapologetically with yourself as you can, that that is when you open the doors for real success to happen. Love that. Yeah. So that's that's my approach and how I help, I help, you know, the entrepreneurs and the women that I work with is, you know, you can get that information you can get the how to anywhere like that. There's yeah. nothing, there's nothing new there. Right. I mean, the real work and what's really going to transform someone in business is going to be how willing they are to connect deeper with themselves and to remove the masks and to remove the layers that we have accumulated over time that prevent us from showing up fully in this world.
0: That is that is like, yes, I love that. And it needs to be more of that just spoken, but I guess like we really can't say that all, not we collectively in our industry. I feel like people can't say it enough because then how would we sell our things? But the funny thing is we're always gonna invest in support because support's great. I mean, we met at a mastermind, right? So it's like, I love support, but at the end of the day, like I always still say, spirit is my strategist and I'm listening to that. But I feel like there's this, this conversation of you don't know how you can't do it on your own. And I don't know. I just feel like there's so much to find out in there. I just, yeah. I mean, I'm going through that phase with myself where I was like trying to do all these things and I'm like, no, why am I, this doesn't make me happy. <laughs> so yeah. let me just go back to what makes me happy. Cause what's the point of doing something that's not going to make me happy?
1: The same. And I think, you know, that was, that's the evolution that I had to go through as well in my own business. And, you know, I, so I'm a psychologist and I have a private practice in Los Angeles and I, you know, I went in, it's funny, I feel like I sort of fell into the success that I had in my private practice. But looking back on it, I knew it was always because I, like, there was never any other option for me. I never thought that I wasn't going to be successful in private practice. And so I was. And, but what happened was that I wasn't fully satisfied. I wasn't, and this is where I think a lot of not just entrepreneurs, but just people in general, like we do all of the things we follow the path, we check the boxes, and we get all of the accomplishments that we set out, and then we have this like, dull aching feeling of something is not quite right yeah and for me it was for me, for me it was just it was that i wasn 't fully living in my own truth, I felt like I was hiding behind a mask uh, in my work as a therapist, in my role as a therapist, that, you know, I fell into this, I went into psychology because it was a platform for me to be able to transform my own experiences, to put meaning Mm. to what I had gone through and to try and help other people who were going through the same thing. But the shadow side of the industry and the field of psychology is that it is, riddled with narcissism and ego. And like it is the most negative and judgmental field that I know about. And you would think that like we're helpers, we're supposed to be supporting each other, but there's so much judgment around how you do things and if you're doing it differently than somebody else. And so I was like, I felt this like like this constant like I was walking on eggshells, I had to hide who I was in the work that I was doing. And I was really afraid of showing people like all of my just who I was, which was yeah. spiritual and really soft and not as scientific as they wanted me to be. And you know, the evolution of my journey has been, you know, allowing myself to to honor that the work that I do with people around healing and transformation is on a soul mm. level. And that that's not quantifiable. You can't, you know, put it a, a diagnosis, a medical diagnosis and, you know, have insurance justify that. Right. And but so being, yeah, go ahead.
0: Oh, no, I was just going to say, and don't you think that this is why, like, because basically, You can't stay with a therapist forever, then you wouldn't want to because you're growing and evolving. And I feel like in therapy, it seems like people just go to the same therapist for like years. And I don't know, I don't, that doesn't make sense to me. So,
1: (laughs) yeah, yeah, totally. I think that, you know, it's, there's so many things that are wrong with the model that, and there's so many beautiful things too. I don't want to totally knock it. Um, But for me, it was one of those, you know, I had to recognize that I wasn't. I, I was having success, but I wasn't really fully living in my truth and in my purpose. Mm. And so having to just make those those shifts and um, I don't even remember how we got onto this train of thought.
0: <laughs> well, I, yeah, I don't even know either. But also I like this because it's like speaking to this idea of this external success or what we think is going to be success. Oh, because we were talking
1: about like okay. Becoming. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So and then it's like looking for that fulfillment. So what do you think the shift has been for you in just uncovering and leaning into that fulfillment?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, it's been I think it has been just a lifetime of being a seeker, a lifetime of planting seeds. And you know, I started this journey at I, I really do think I started this journey at a very young age. Uh, even before my dad uh, committed suicide, I think that I, I remember always being told by my grandmother that I was an old soul, mm. and that stuck with me. Even at a like as a child at a very young age, I kind of just knew that there was something. Like kind of just different about the way I felt and the way that I experienced, and I was a very sensitive child and very intuitive. And I've since uh, learned. I don't know if you're familiar with Human Design at all, but so I'm a reflector. Mm -hmm. Which there's like less than four percent of the population are reflectors, um, which is basically just being sensitive.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, It's so fascinating. It's so interesting. But um, you know, just it explains so much about my sensitivity too, and. Um, and so for me, again, like I knew, and it really was solidified when my dad, with my dad's suicide, that there was something, there was something in this journey for me. There was a message somewhere. There was a reason why this was happening. And I definitely did not have the sound of mind at that age to be able to say everything happens for a reason. Right. But I always... I was always connected to and wanting to understand and create meaning. And so that just, you know, it led me to into the field of psychology, um, you know, which I've just always been on this path of personal development and, you know, looking back, I I always want to like, like the very rational side of me wants to like, well, what was the moment where it all clicked? And yeah, there wasn't. It was, right. it was a lifetime of planting seeds.
0: I, and I can, I can feel the old soul kind of, but also I, I'm, a, I'm a believer that like all of this is planned out for us. Like there's a path
1: and we're just kind of guided down it. Um, I mean, do, you, do you believe in free will and choice or like affecting that path at all?
0: I do. I, I do. And I believe that there'll be suffering when we when we do, like, at least for me, I feel like some people are like, that's so good you choose that. And I'm like, oh, when I don't choose this way, I suffer. Yeah. <laughs> like, so so I feel like there is the path and when you obey it, then you surrender that you're guided. And it doesn't mean that there's not going to be pain, but to me, suffering feels much different. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I mean, it's just, I don't know the truth about all this. I mean, it's just something that I've experienced in my in my own kind of path. But when you say that, I can like feel it in you, right? And I know you. And I feel like even with you, I was like really wowed about all of this at, Uh, mommy millionaire live, because you really keep your like brilliance on like under the radar when we were in the mastermind. So I didn't get to like hear all of this, but I was like, oh, she is like speaking my language right now. (laughs) I was like, I love all of this, and it's so powerful. I like want to share this with all my with all my people.
1: Wow, I love that, and thank you. You know, uh, full disclosure, I, uh, you know, this has been like this has been my path. This has been my my forever work has been reconciling within me that feeling of knowing that I, I am powerful and I am strong, but my fear of allowing it to come forward. And, um, you know, I very much have always identified and embodied the Marion Williamson quote that, you know, our greatest fear is not that we are inadequate, but that we are powerful beyond measure. Yeah. And, you know, so much of the last few years have been about, you know, for me, allowing myself to tap in, to step forward and to honor the power that I do hold. And, you know, Mommy Millionaire Live was a, a huge, it really was, it was the first time that I had ever spoken publicly because oh. I had, yeah, yeah. I had, always had this story that I told myself that I wasn't a public speaker Aww. and um, you know and I knew the work that I did one-on-one with my clients and uh, the coaching with the therapists that I had worked with and building their practices and their business like I, I knew it was in there and I knew I always knew that I, I had it in me but I was so afraid to let myself tap into it
0: Yeah, it's funny, because I'm like, if you could see me, like, I'm over here smiling when you said that that was your first time speaking. Because what a blessing that a you were given the opportunity to lead such a powerful, you know, um, presentation that morning or talk or whatever we want to call it. But I mean, it was powerful. I had to go up into my room, just listening, because I'm so sensitive and just hearing all of the women that you were doing interventions with. And everyone just opening up like that. And I just didn't expect it. I just expected some sort of you know, what you would get at a female entrepreneur, typical conference. Yeah. And it just wasn't that. So I love that you are stepping out like that. And then it, now you have your podcast, which I saw that it hit top 100 and it's been out for only how long, like very short period of time,
1: like three and a half weeks.
0: Yeah. I mean, so (laughs) hello. So it's
1: apparent
0: that, you know, all of this. And then when I talk about that path or that, that, um, you know, destiny, whatever. To me, it's more of like a seed, right? So it's like the seed is already there. So I just love that you're like willing to let it just burst, and and all of this magic is unfolding for you. So it's amazing. Like where where do you see it going now, or like where are you feeling feeling that it's expanding into and taking you?
1: Yeah, I think that you know the last the so the last two years have really been uh, transformative for me and you know, to kind of look towards the future, I do have to unpack the past a little bit, which is, um, you know, again, constantly within myself, reconciling these, these different parts of me, the part that on the one hand felt called to um, step into something powerful, felt called to transform, help transform others through my own experiences mm-hmm. um, and to, to build on the strength and the resilience that I was asked to draw from at a very young age reconciling that with this, you know, painful insecurity and this, you know, shadow side, this this fundamental belief that I was ultimately unlovable, alone, Mm -hmm. and unwanted. And, you know, that, that led me to play very small in a lot of areas of my life. And so while I was I've got my doctorate and I built a successful business and a successful practice. I was still, you know, I still had financial struggles because I grew up in poverty. And, you know, I, when I started making you know, <laughs> five figures a month, you know, multiple five figures a month and the, like, more money than I ever imagined I would, could make, I was spending more money and I was pl- yeah. continuing to play out the patterns of struggle in my life. And you know i I got married, and you know I married someone who I knew he was my best friend, and I loved him, but I was never in love with him and um, It was a very painful process for me to you know to have this experience where you know I have this great friendship with this guy, and we have two beautiful children, but there 's something so out of sync for me and out of alignment for me by being in this marriage and, you know, everything looks so good on the outside, right? This perfect family, this great business, this, you know, really smart like woman, but inside I'm a fraud, I'm unhappy, I'm unsatisfied. And so, you know, part of, you know, kind of peeling back all of those layers was finding the courage to walk away from that marriage, which was good, right? It's really yeah. hard. It's really hard to leave something that's good. Like it was yeah. comfortable and it was lovely. And it was the most painful thing that I ever did to hurt someone that I loved. Yeah. Um, but knowing that it was the right thing for everybody involved, right? He deserved to be with someone who was madly in love with him. And I deserved to feel what it felt like to be madly in love with someone. And,
0: yeah,
1: you know, just honoring myself was as a way to, you know, kind of recognize that I deserve to have and to experience all of the good that life can bring. And, um, you know, I'm kind of sharing all of that, like, again, because I feel like to step into the future, I have to recognize that past. I have to recognize those steps that were taken as part of like fully stepping into my truth and fully allowing myself to say, you know what? I do have something really powerful to offer uh, to the clients that I work with, to the rooms that I stand in front of, to the, um, you know, the, the relationship that I am in, right? That's All so of important. Thing. Yeah. And so, you know, for me moving forward, it's, you know, I have spent the last, I'm 37 now, 37 years, um, you know, of those 37 years, you know, last two decades of personal development, like pulling back all of these layers, all of these masks so that I can step forward onto that platform, onto that stage and say, like, here's how I, here's what I believe transformation and healing actually looks like. And, you know, my soul can go deep and I want to take others there too.
0: Yeah. You know, I'm glad that you went on that like backtrack because what you shared about leaving your husband, and I didn't even know that about you, but it's like that quote. I don't know who said the quote, maybe you will know, but the only thing stopping you from your great life is your good life.
1: Mm, Yes.
0: Yeah. And you had the courage to do that. And I just, I I mean, I'm single. I've been single for a while because I'm kind of just in the space of getting to know that and loving it and finding it to be really sacred until it feels like this is a full yes, and it's pulling me away from everything I love. But when I when I hear people talk about relationships, I know my friends who have really beautiful relationships, and some of them are people that we have mutual friends. And then there's people that are just like, no, it's supposed to be like this, which mm-hmm. is feels like they want to punch each other half the time that I see them. And it's just like I just don't feel like that, you know. And it's really just tuning into, like you said, does this feel like? there's something there like there's something there that's telling me to to go. So I just really I just admire that courage and I and I love it. I love when I hear people having the courage to say like okay this is good but I'm willing to trust that I deserve something better.
1: Yeah, it was definitely I think that experience was you know, it was so pivotal in all of the other areas of my life as far as just honoring, you know, the the I, 15 years in a relationship. I was, I was 21. Oh yeah. When we were started, when we started dating and, you know, I was the, you know, I was the chubby, <laughs> ugly duckling girl that, you know, I didn't have the boyfriends. I didn't date. I didn't. And, and I knew the, you know, the part of me, right. The passenger who got married, um, got married because again, he was safe and I loved him. He was my best friend. That was there. Um, but it was also the part of me that didn't believe that anybody else would ever love me. Right. And so coming into myself more fully, like really doing that work, really doing that healing was allowing myself to recognize and believe that I was lovable. Yeah. And I- that, yeah, that, that I didn't have to be afraid of being alone. And it You know, not that I need any. Like, I want to be careful about what you know the connotation of what that is that I just said. But um, because I I do think, though, not
0: out of the like clean desperation, like I can't be alone. Right, right. Like, and when you were describing your old self, I was like, "Are you talking about me?" (laughs) Because that was exact. Like a lot of those things are how I felt, and it also led me into abusive relationships. And then when my relationship wasn't abusive, I was in a relationship where someone did not honor me. They were like great on paper, but like, I did not feel treasured and honored. And that's like my, what I want to feel like. So it was just that feeling of, well, this is good. He's not abusive. He's not this. I should stay. I should hang on to this. And I think that's such a beautiful thing with like bringing up like us as women settling and just knowing that we deserve all the good things. Cause what you're basically getting to, I can feel is how you were like. I had to stand in my inner authority, and if I'm going to teach other women this, which I'm all for
1: that. that yes, exactly. And I do like you were saying. You know, you have you have so many women who are in these like really mediocre relationships and justifying and rationalizing it that this is how they are. Yeah. And and I just that never sat right for me. That never, uh, you know. I am a big big believer that we can have all of it be fulfilling. I don't think that we, that doesn't mean that we ever get to a place where we stop wanting or pushing for more, right? but that we can have a business that is passionate and successful and fulfilling. And we can have a partnership and a, a romantic relationship that is Successful and passionate and fulfilling, and we can have a relationship to our body that is successful and passionate and fulfilling yeah. and right it 's like I, I personally I do believe that we can nurture and create healing in all of those dynamics, and I think part of what makes it successful is allowing and creating space. For all of it, right? Like not yeah. expecting it to be perfect, but allowing space for the struggle, allowing space for the pain and the transformation and the healing to come through it, right? Having a partner where it's not perfect all the time, but you have the same values and you commit to working through things together and growing yeah. with each other.
0: Yeah. I think that's the, like, the pad, how you bring up passion. It's like, the passion like just because i have so much passion in my in my business and with my friendships and excite like the, if, the other things that if it's not in that relationship it's like i don't want to try to force it um and i think that i think that I, I just notice with people where they're just like yeah this isn't passionate talking about jobs talking about relationships but they're like that's okay that's kind of how it's supposed to be because so many people are settling Mm -hmm. But then you look out like we have friends and like now I know proof and evidence that no, (laughs) we can say yes to all of the good. And it's not going to show up maybe tomorrow. Your business is not going to change tomorrow. Like these things, it takes time, but it's also just, I feel like it is available to us. And I totally agree with you.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of it, too, is just that, you know, redefining what some of these things actually mean and, like, redefining what balance looks like and redefining what having it all looks like and, you know, again, just giving ourselves that, you know, it doesn't mean that there's no struggle. It doesn't mean that it's easy all of the time.
0: Oh, God, yeah. I
1: mean, right? Like, yeah. just creating that space, giving ourselves permission Um you know, just permission to continue to grow through it all.
0: Yeah. When talking about all of this and you're also a mom. I am. So tell us about that because you're doing all of this. All of this is changing and you manage that. Like just share with us other moms.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, I, I will be like, I have to be so honest and so transparent, but, you know, being now a divorced mom, um, there's, there's definitely two sides of that experience that on the one hand, like, you know, my kids went back to uh, their dad's house yesterday and they're going to be with him until I get them back after school on Monday. So I have five days to, without them. And, you you know, this is a double-edged sword because there are many, excuse me, there are many ways where I think I'm a better mom because of that, because I have that space. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and also there's just the pain that comes with like being away from my kids for so long, but I will be, you know, sometimes I say to people, I sometimes feel like I have an unfair advantage in this whole healing process because I am a mom. And, you know, I, again, I, the way that I grew up, I grew up with, you know, I didn't grow up in a home that had a lot of love and nurturing and you know God bless my parents like they really really truly did the best that they can I know that they did um, but I I can't remember I, I truly don't have a single memory of being hugged as a child mm. and I cannot tell you the last time that I heard um, someone my my mom tell me that she loved me or um, and you know my dad or uh, you know my dad was in and out, but my grandmother I, she was a major role model for me, and I lived with her for a good chunk of my childhood because you know my parents were just too young to have kids they they really weren't ready or equipped. and I have one memory in particular of my grandmother, who was like my rock growing up, but she had her own. Like shortcomings, which I learned later on, but compared to my mom and dad, she was an angel. But I was probably, I was probably five or six years old, and she was tucking me in at night. And I asked for, I, I went to like give her a kiss goodnight, and she told me that I was too old for a kiss now. Oh, and like that's the type of environment that I grew up in, and yeah. so I, when I. Was pregnant with my son, who's my older one. He just turned eight this past month. I had so many fears about my capacity and my capability. Um, I always knew that I was again. It was this dichotomy. Like I knew on the one hand that I was meant to be a mom, and I knew I was going to be an amazing mom. But then the other side of me that said, like, what if? like what if i don 't know like what if i can 't love like i don 't know if i 'm capable yeah. of loving, and then you know you have these these little babies, and it was it was truly like my soul was cracked open through yeah. in that process of becoming a mom and the softening that happened in my heart and the defense mechanisms that you know the walls that I had put up around me I could no longer maintain like I just for me becoming a mom and I say like I have such an unfair advantage because you know it's you cannot deny when you are looking at these little beings you just cannot deny the pureness of the human spirit yeah and you know if there's ever any question of worthiness or love or deserving like You know, we all come into this world in these little packages, and you know, for me, it was that like it was the mirror. Like becoming a mom was the mirror for me that gave me that permission to finally soften into myself. And um, that's
0: so so sweet.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's definitely, and you know, my children (laughs) like they are our greatest teachers. And, you know, my kids could not be more different from each other because my son is my sensitive one. And he is, you know, he's sometimes harder for me because he is so sensitive. And I think, you know, I see so much of myself in that, but my daughter, God bless her, she's five and a half. And this little fireball of (laughs) like, she, she is everything that I what I want to be in the world. And she, yeah. and like it's just, it, like, it's just so cool to watch how, you know, fearless and bold and creative. And I really do think that, that children are our greatest teachers.
0: Me too. I, I agree with that. You know, what's funny is, I don't know. If, I don't think I told you this, but after your presentation at the event, we all had lunch and there was, you know, a group of women at my table and they, one of them said, well, I just want to be a better mom. Cause I feel like now I'm just messing up my kids. <laughs> and I said, you know, cause we're all talking about like how we were treated when we were little and what our parents made us feel like. And, um, I don't know. I think that's interesting. I have my own take on that, but what, what's your take on that?
1: Just yeah. Kind of <laughs> So I think it's interesting. I was I was just having this conversation last night uh, in regards to my son. You know, I said to to someone that I was talking about it. You know, I just I God, I hope that I am just giving him more experiences of pleasure than I am pain. Oh, that's a good. One. Um, you know, but I what has really comforted me and. um a belief system that I have found. And I'm, my guess is you probably subscribe to this as well. Um, you know, I, I believe that our soul chooses chooses our path and our soul chooses our parents. And, you know, just like I'm here and you're here and we are all walking our path and I needed the, I needed the experiences with my parents that I had in order to become the woman that I am. You know, my children, they, they chose me for a reason. And I, and that's why I said, like, I just, I hope that my reason is not for them to work through some painful experience. You know, I hope to be a a power (laughs) and a force of good in their lives. Um, But, you know, surrendering and trusting that they, they have their own path to walk. And I think that this is one of the hardest Things, especially as a mother, but parents in general, for us to come up against is we take on so much responsibility and um, this like misperception of control that we have over our children, and we take ownership over our children and their experiences. And, you know, I think that we might be the vehicle or the channel that they come into this world through, but they are not ours. Yeah. And that's really, really hard to kind of wrap our yeah. head around and to reconcile. But I think you know, ultimately, it's you know that's that's what it comes down to is that we're you know they 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 have their own path to walk.
0: I I love that, and it's like, and you know, hopefully, some of those ladies I know that they listen to this podcast now that they'll hear that. But it's such a it's such a topic because I think once we start recognizing, like, wow. I'm feeling this because of my parents. And we're like, well, what the hell are we doing to our kids? (laughs) Like uh, what the rationalization that I've come to. And then also just the way that I kind of let myself off the hook because I cannot guilt myself for everything. It's just like, we're all, like I'm raising myself while I'm raising another child. And we're, I just feel like we're all somewhat toddlers out here experiencing new things, right? And I just give myself that permission just to play. But same thing in my business. And that's why I just am like, all right, if I mess up, it's okay. <laughs> so. Absolutely.
1: And I think, you know, another part of that too, because I, I mean, I completely agree. I think just recognizing that we are, Like we are all doing the very best that we can. (laughs) And along those lines, I think something that can be very freeing for us as moms is forgiving our moms for their shortcomings. And, you know, until we do that, we're not going to be able to give ourselves the same grace and permission to be flawed and to be human. Um,
0: 100%. I agree so much with that.
1: Yeah. So I think that's a big part of it too anybody listening forgive your mom and dad (laughs) Yeah,
0: many times (laughs) over and over and over again (laughs) so that being said, because we've been on here and I can just talk to you forever because it's just so, so easy and this is like definitely my my jam um what are like let's just one thing I know you deal with a lot of trauma you help women come back to themselves and back into their power like what is one practice that when you're feeling any sort of Insecurity, or I don't know if I can do it. Like you just said, you've just stepped out in a really big way, and you're kicking butt like in such a beautiful way. Uh, What's one thing that you lean into, like one mantra or practice?
1: Visualization, Um, and specifically the visualization with the passengers on the bus. And so, you know, in those, I spend a lot of time. I'm a, you know, I'm an introvert. I'm a I, I'm really comfortable being alone. I enjoy being alone because it gives me the opportunity to connect deeper with myself. Yeah. Um, and I, I love going into that space where I just close my eyes and I imagine mm. that little me. And, you know, a lot of t- I, the four year old is really accessible for me and, You know, I love hanging out with her, kind of just like I love hanging out with my daughter, too. Yeah. Um, And so I will just imagine myself with her. And usually we're, like, sitting on a bench somewhere, and there's no words being spoken. It's just me sitting so lovingly with this little girl. And, you know, I think that that's what you know, we can all be doing in those moments where we are coming up against the fear or the doubt or the uncertainty or the insecurity. Yeah. Taking that moment to ask ourselves like, okay, what part of me is this? Which passenger? Like creating that timestamp, like where in our history is this feeling coming from? How old is it? Drawing into our mind's eye, the vision of that, that little us and then creating a a picture around it and attaching a feeling to it, a loving mm. feeling, and that for me is the most transformative I um, exercise intervention, if you will. Yeah, like that to me is where real healing happens because healing doesn't happen on a conscious level. Mm. The you know consciousness where our thoughts and our words are coming from; those are higher order. Um, experiences those live in a different part of our brain than our emotional center and our emotions you know that and our that's coming from our unconscious our fears are living in our unconscious and our unconscious doesn't speak the same language doesn't speak rationalization we can only connect to it through the creative process right so things like dance and movement or uh visualization, those will connect to it. So for me too, the other thing, soul cycle is I know. a huge I part of my life. <laughs> do you cry in soul Cycle sometimes? Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, like, <I> do too. <laughs> there is something so intense about like pushing your body in that room and in that space and like, yeah. and, like really push against resistance and then you stop. That for me is like on a physical level, I have no control of it. The floodgates open.
0: And then it's the instructor. Like, you know, some of those instructors are just so awesome. And they start like attaching that resistance to like something in your life and Mm -hmm. or like they play a song. But I swear it's the only place that I work out that I'm like on the verge of crying or like a tear is shedding. And I'm just like, what is this? But I love it.
1: Yeah, well, I also do believe that you know our bodies hold so much of our emotional experience, and so
0: well,
1: movement is a great way to release some of that.
0: Yeah, I, I feel too. It's like when we come together in those spaces, and that's why I'm such a fan of like group stuff, um, like group meditation and all ceremony and stuff like that. But we come together in Soul Cycle, we have this intention, and we're all in there with our intentions. Yes, <laughs> it, it's just like this powerful, this powerful space. So
1: absolutely.
0: That's really awesome. Well, tell us. We know we have this podcast that is—is is it what? What is it? Once a week,
1: but it's know. actually twice twice a week. So on How Tuesdays, yep, Tuesdays I drop. Uh, there's it's an interview with someone, um, and same similar to this, you know, just really open, honest conversations. There's no structural, structured, formal interview. I just want to talk to amazing people and just pick people, other people's brains about what they're experience and journey of transformation has been about. yeah. Um, and then on Fridays are just a really quick little solo episode sound bites from me, some of my thoughts and things that I'm going through each week.
0: Sweet. Okay. Yeah. So love your truth. It's on
1: iTunes, Spotify, all that good stuff, right? It's supposed to be. Apparently, it's not actually connecting to Spotify. Okay. Okay. I'm having some trouble on the technical, but it's definitely on iTunes. It's
0: all good. Yeah. I was about to say, most people listen to iTunes anyway. But yeah, so that's there. And I see you on Instagram. Do you go on to Facebook Facebook, or let us know where else to find you? And we'll put the links in the show too.
1: Honestly, I'm not on Facebook. I mean, technically I am, but you will never find me on there. But really, Instagram is where I'm hanging out most these days.
0: Perfect. Perfect. Well, I am just so grateful that you came on and spent this time with me today sharing everything with our listeners, and I'm sure they will be sharing this. And guys, if you love this episode, definitely get connect with Jen and I. Let us know what you love. Find us on Instagram and shout her out because nothing feels better than to know that what you're doing actually is helping people.
1: It's so true. And I would love to hear from you. I really, really mean that when I say it. I get back to all of my DMs and I love the connection.
0: Me too. Well, thank you so much, Jen.
1: Thank you, Nicole. This was amazing. You're awesome. I love what you're doing. And I cannot, I just, you're great. Thank you for feeding my soul. Thanks, love.
0: And there you have it, my friends. I want to know, What's your favorite takeaway from today's show? I love when you share your highlights from the show. Be sure to tag me when you share so I can give you a proper shout out. If you haven't already, subscribe. And while you're there, rate and review because your feedback, it really means the world to me. Until next time, remember to harmonize your hustle.